Blog Talk Radio. our truth and walking one another on our road to authenticity. So thank you so much for joining us today on this specific part of our journey. I am Nikki, one of your hosts, and we are joined by, as always, Sean. Say hello, Sean. Hello, Sean. I can't hear you. I don't know. My headphones are acting up, too. I'm like a temperamental headphone, so... Let me know if you guys can't hear me, too. And Aaron. Say hello, Aaron. Hello, everybody. Hello, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Aaron. Hello. (laughs) If you are joining us for the first time today, thank you for joining us. Um, We welcome your input. If you want to give us a call, 347-215-8639, press 1, so we know that you want to talk and not just listen, but you're welcome to sit and listen on the phone lines. If you want to send us an email, questions, comments, show ideas, anything that's on your mind, you just want to say, hey, that's cool too, you can email us anytime at blueclick, that's B-L-U-E-C-L-I-Q-U-E, at gmail.com. Or you can um, send a comment um, on our page on Blog Talk Radio. So if, you, if you're listening online, you can just put something in the comments. And the chat room is open. Um, we always, John mentioned one time we should make a joke about how we always say that and there's nobody in the chat room, <laughs> nobody on the phone line. But we're basically talking to ourselves. But who more importantly to talk to than us? Um, so, before we get into today's topic, I just wanted to check in with everyone and see what is, what's new, what new discoveries, aha moments, what you learn about yourself this last couple of weeks since our, our last broadcast. Um, Aaron, what's new, what's new in your, in your world? Oh, well, I had a big revelation, uh, about something that I was actually I was gonna 
inbox you about Nikki uh, online because I realized that a lot of uh, some personal problems that I've been dealing with uh, that turned into issues of anxiety that I suffered from uh, stemmed from having growing up with an emasculating presence in my household. Mm. And now that I've become really conscious about that, uh, there's just a lot of conversations that need to continue to be had and some bad habits that really need to be caught. Um, and, yeah, it's it's sort of like the last little piece for me before I can truly feel like I'm owning uh, every piece of me. You know, I'm good for the most part, but there's just a little piece that that was a source of trouble for me, and I've I've really become very clear on what started that and how to begin to move past it. Mm. You know, I think that must be kind of in the air because that's definitely what I have, Sean and I have been having discussions. In fact, we had a discussion about the barriers and the boundaries, that, which which will goes along with the inner child, the discussion we want to have um, on today's show today. But basically it all comes down to the barriers and the boundaries that we've built against uh, being exactly who, being who we are and accomplishing what we want to accomplish and having what we want to have and being our whole full selves is, is basically the boundaries against it. Um, so we were, well, Sean, I'll let you discuss it. If you want to talk about some of the things that we talked about or you know, what's going on what's going on with you, which goes along with the conversation that we had earlier in the discussion that we want to have during the show. Sean, you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? I cannot hear you if you're talking. Oh, okay. Can, yeah. you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I have my phone. Yeah. Yes. I have my phone muted. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of what we were talking about was, I mean, just, just by nature of this construct, what this construct is in terms of us being here in, quote, unquote, linear time, occupying physical bodies is a... It's all put in place by boundaries. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Everything mm-hmm. that we entertain or we hold with that is true about ourselves or not true about ourselves are boundaries or blockages that we set up. And we place these parameters upon ourselves. And, outside, of course, outside of those parameters, any and everything is possible. That's still the case. That's still the case. Any and everything is possible. Mm-hmm. Any anything that you can imagine is possible. The only thing keeping you at distance from that very thing that you can imagine are the self-imposed boundaries that we place. You know, be it someone, an, an outside force or an outside suggestion placing these boundaries or just boundaries that you come here prior to you incarnating into a body, you've agreed that these boundaries would be in place. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like mm-hmm. you had a blueprint to understand the machine. And the machine basically is in an amalgamation or a compilation of boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like if mm-hmm. if I get if I gain this level of understanding I'll be able to access S, Y, and Z. You're always able to access everything. The only thing that's keeping you from accessing anything are those self imposed boundaries or those uh induced boundaries. That, that was thrusted upon you 
at whatever age, age of impressionable, you know, that impressionable age, mm-hmm. you know, the ages that <laughs> when we first started, we first turned that machine on that is basically designed to uh, 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 assign meaning to any and everything that we interact with, you know, and that's what we're talking about in terms of the inner child is basically that mach- the moment that machine turns on, that, that machine that defines or gives meaning to the things that we interact with, those meanings become concrete at that point. You know what I'm saying? Those mm-hmm. things that we, 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 we entertain, they become concrete at that point. And from that moment on, moving forward, we keep those boundaries in place and we allow those boundaries to solidify and become our constitutions, if you will. So when you write these constitutions at an age that you're not even able to write yet, <laughs> you know, you're writing constitutions for yourself and you can't really completely understand or or, 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 or or wrap your mind around what's going on, but those constitutions nevertheless remain with you, you know, and unless you actively participate in rewriting those constitutions, that inner child or that little thing that's giving those definitions and those meanings is still running the show. You can be 80 years old and an accomplished author, but if you still mm-hmm. haven't dealt with those things um, that were put in place by your child self at the time, you're still being governed by those those uh, mm-hmm. constitutional values and, and constitutional vows that you impose or wrote on yourself. You know what I mean? So I guess what we've been dealing with and talking about is the fact that everything, and, 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 and this is not this is nothing new. It's not some big revelation that, wow, I never thought about that. Everything that we do and everything that we are is self-imposed. Mm-hmm. You know, in the same way that we impose those things, when we defrag and, 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 and dissolve those things, you're you're able to realize greater things because you no longer are governed by those minuscule boundaries that were put in place by somebody who had no idea what the hell was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and just doing some of the things that I was looking at when thinking about the show and some of the the, the wounds within me that I'm trying to heal is Again, my, my conflict, and I've talked about this on the show um, before, is my conflict with all of the um, I'll say all of the beliefs that I've formed about myself from childhood and the relationships that I've built with myself as far as their, you know, my emotional dishonesty that I developed, shame-based emotional dishonesty, basically, is what I have developed, but with a family that felt like it was instilling this out of what they thought was love Mm -hmm. and keeping me in a safe, contained environment. Mm -hmm. And knowing that it came out of love, but the result of it 
was me not being able to um, deal with my emotions because I was never able to express my emotions because it was all about protecting everybody else's emotions. You be a nice person. You don't say anything mean. You do what's right. You, you make sure that you never hurt anybody else's feelings. You know, all of that to in, in an effort to help me get along with as least amount of friction as possible didn't allow me to mature. I would still emotionally be a juvenile until I I discovered that that's what was happening, and then was able to say, okay, I need to I need to mature and grow this part of myself. And now that I have going back into that environment is extremely how that feels now because everybody else is still in that same place or that same spot. So again, it's now that I can see, now that I'm on the other side of it and I can see where I was versus where I am and I have lots more healing to do, certainly not, not finished yet, but things, I think when you're able to, to look at those things that needed to be healed or still need to be healed um, and how, you know, basically our families or our parents did not know how to, they didn't know how to be emotionally honest and and truly love themselves. So therefore, how could they teach me to do that? And me now having to form this relationship with myself and realizing how that part of what all of the healing is still me being that scared little girl who still wants her family's approval and how that is one of the barriers and the boundaries that I have built, knowing that if I get too far away or if I get too big or if I get too strange that I'm not going to have my family's approval and learning to be okay with that. Mm. And that has been my, you know, I've, I've kind of known that, but I really, there's some dynamics that have changed in my family. And so now that I'm like really punched, really been having to face it, um, I've realized that still I'm still wanting to bring my family along so that they will approve on some level, approve of what what it is that I'm doing, although I know it's not going to happen and I can't count on my family's approval because we're just not in the same place anymore. Um, And not that I don't, but when people change, everybody else who does not want change, it's very scary for them. So they try to pull Mm -hmm. you back in. And so that's kind of where I... I know where I am, but I have discovered with all that, and I, I had struggled with that for a long time, but I am really now to the point where I am, I see that, I realize it, I see for what it is, and I know that it's time for me to jump off the cliff and grow my wings and fly and let everybody else deal with what they're going to deal with and take care of themselves and be responsible for themselves. And I am no longer responsible for anybody else's feelings. I'm no longer, I'm taking off 
the nice girl badge because I am who I am. I'm not wearing a specific badge that was given to me. And I'm I'm ready to I and I don't even want to say I'm ready. I'm jumping off the cliff to throw my wings. Because as long as I say I'm ready, I'm just gonna continue to be ready. I don't wanna be ready. I'm doing it. Yeah. You just you it's a, it's a, it's a matter of changing your focus as 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 it relates to what it looks like to help your family. And mm-hmm. what it looks like to help your family is for you to grow as yes. wide and far as you possibly can. When you're looking at your family, you can't look at it just in terms of this particular incarnation and the dynamics that are at play now. Your family has been your family since this, since you've agreed to come here and do this. And each time, mm-hmm. each, each time you come back, you're coming back to a condition that was here when you left. So when you're the person in your family that is forwarding the consciousness of your family, when you push that thing out further, that gives them more room to grow. So when you come back mm-hmm. you're further ahead, somebody has to take the mantle and get the fuck out there. Yeah. Everybody can't huddle together and stay safe. You know what I'm saying? And if you if, if it's hard to find strength and pushing away from your family, you've got to look at it in terms of you serving your family by pushing out as far as you possibly can. Because if all y'all just stay huddled together, when you come back here, you still won't be in the same state. <laughs> you know, generationally, uh-huh. you're still going to come into the same level of of of, of you know uh, uh, understanding and, and 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 consciousness that you left. But if you're pushing it forward now, the kids, they're coming up, and they're going to have a different level of consciousness than you had when you were growing up and, and, and their, 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 their grandparents and everybody else around them. So when you come back through them, you're coming back at a higher state of awareness. You can push out even further. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you come back as their kids, <laughs> you know, you're gonna be even further mm-hmm. ahead, but if you if you if you want to fall on the sword and say I don't want to leave my family, I want to stay here and stay ignorant with them, you're doing everybody a disservice. And no one's moving forward. Somebody has to push the envelope. Yeah. You need to count mm-hmm. yourself lucky mm-hmm. that you've been appointed the person to push the envelope. To hell mm-hmm. with the black sheep. To hell with you know looking weird or them thinking you're weird. Let them think that, but it's for their own good that you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you, yes, you don't have absolutely. to abandon the idea that, you know, I'm leaving my family behind. No, you're very much taking them along with you. You're not doing it in a way that, you know, would would, would indicate that when you look at it, you know, just from everyday goings on, but you're absolutely putting mm-hmm. everything forward, and the onus is on you to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. If you stay mm-hmm. there with them, you're doing everybody a disservice, including them to stay there and, and have them think a certain way of you so you can feel comfortable and safe within this dynamic here when the bigger picture is is, is, is far greater than this one time you have the baton in this, in, in this uh, relay race that we're doing. It doesn't mean anything, you know. But in order for, for, for everybody to grow, you got to forsake all of them folks and say, i got to go out here and do what i got to do for, for all of y'all. I'll pay that yeah. right. now, but you'll get it later. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> exactly. 
Yeah, that's true. It's like somebody's got to leave the cave so that I can go explore and see what's out there. Otherwise, we're all going to sit here and, and starve to death. And right. So I'm going to go out. Yeah. Yeah. True. Clear the way so that everybody can live. Everybody can survive. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm personally yeah. not attached to um, worrying about whether or not somebody thinks I'm weird or crazy. I don't give a shit. You know, <laughs> I, I don't. I do. I have gotten had to get past the point of not feeling like I need to explain myself. Yeah. I don't care if people think I'm weird, but what my thing was is I felt like, well, I should probably explain where it's coming from so they would, you know, have some explanation to my weirdness. That I've recently said, you know, they'll they'll get it or they. I don't feel like I need to explain myself, but that's a recent thing that wow. I've wanted. I've wanted them to understand what this is, why I chose this, or why I chose to do this, or why I chose to, whatever the decision that I made. I've let go of that recently, but with with the weirdness, because I've always been a little off, a little weird, a little different, uh, but I've always wanted to explain it. I've always wanted to give an explanation to, well, there is some rhyme or reason to this. I'm not just willy-nilly, you know, being strange. There's some rhyme or reason to it, but I don't even... There's no need for that. I don't have no, the there need to do that anymore. There isn't. But you, you, you can't, you actively can't do that without diminishing the vibration that you're broadcasting from. Because, mm-hmm. again, they can't hear it. They, you have to reduce it to a package that they can understand so you're not really interpreting what it is that you're doing in the first place, not authentically, not from the position that you're speaking it from. So, it, you know, again, that's, you have to start discerning what's futile and what isn't. When you try to talk mm-hmm. to people who can't hear you, that's, that's an act of futility. You know what I'm saying? It's not serving yeah. you and it's not serving them. You're wasting your time and you're wasting their time because they can't receive what it is that you're saying. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? They can't receive what it is that you're saying. So it's like, you know, you just got to abandon what it is and where it is that they are completely. And that's why I said I, I, I gave up worrying about whether or not I look crazy. I really did. It's none of my business what anybody else thinks first and foremost. And Absolutely. they are not in a position <laughs> to qualify what it is that I'm doing. They're not of they're not of any particular authority that I can recognize or register that mm-hmm. I would have to worry about what they think and take that on as something Absolutely. That, you know <laughs> I've appointed myself God. Mm-hmm. I've reported myself, God. I am I self law and master. I am the mm-hmm. beginning and the end of me. No one else can define me for me. I don't give a shit what you turn your nose up or mm-hmm. how you look at me because you think I look a certain way that's not approved mm-hmm. to you. That's none of my mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's such a good point Damn. that you just made where you said, you know, basically when you care about what other people think or you're seeking other people's approval you're making them an authority over your life, which yep. it can't be. Yep. So, whew, that's that's good. <laughs> Big moment. Yeah. I need a bomb. Yeah. I need to. I mean, I'm just gonna clap quietly. Boom. Right. I need to find that bomb <laughs> that the other lead people get have. Um, I have a question. So speaking Quick of which, okay, go ahead. Uh huh. Once you realized that you were trained to be a certain way and uh, and that you were 
basically conditioned to feel a certain sort of way about certain things and you start to break your programming, what do you do with the anger, you know? Because as I've broken my programming and as I've really been honest with myself about things that happened to me that I didn't deserve, things that happened to me that I didn't ask for, it's pissed me off. I mean, on fire anger. And I've I voiced it and I, I, I brought it to the people who disempowered me in that sense. And we've had honest, open dialogue, but there still is, it's like shrapnel anger, these little residual things that just bubble up. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to release it for me because, you know, I've, I, I've talked about things. I, I have access to different types of techniques, and none of it works. And I'm trying to figure out how to let it go. Hmm. Can, I, can I suggest something? Mm-hmm. But, uh, figure, out, figure out what you're gaining from holding on to your anger. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's mm-hmm. something that you're getting from it. You're gaining power. You're gaining something from it. Yeah. In order for it to persist, I, I would start there. I would I would start trying to figure out what what it is that I'm gaining from the idea that I harbor this anger towards something. First of all, it 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 it's it's it, it's given to you. It's not quali- It doesn't qualify. Um enough to be angry about, <laughs> if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. What I mean is the people that put these things in place were functioning from such a small level of understanding that you can almost, you can't really blame them. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? You can't blame them for exacting what it is that they've positioned in terms of what they understand about anything, whatever mm-hmm. that is. Because that's a minuscule version of what the truth is anyway. That's like getting mad at somebody because they didn't know the truth. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? When mm-hmm. we're all just learning the truth ourselves. So it's the thing where you, you have to sit down and you have to decide or you have to discern what it is about this dynamic that allows me to keep wanting it to be here. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and and that's 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 the process that I, I man, I spent a lot of time with you know, mm-hmm. and I think I spent a lot of time with it because I was I was somehow um addicted to the emotionality of it. I processed it, I understood it for what it was and I knew, you know, I forgave the people that I needed to forgive in order to get to the point where I needed to be. But I kept going back to revisit it because I was getting something out of the emotion. You know what I mean? It's like a drug, mm-hmm. it's like these those, those 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 chemicals that fire, it's like an addiction. I need to feel that. I want to feel that. So I'm going to keep recreating these conditions so I can feel this particular chemical being released in my bloodstream so I can, you know, identify with it or suck on it or, you know, do whatever I need to do with it. It's like drugs. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's an addiction. It's an addiction. Mm-hmm. It's an addiction. Right. It's an addiction. It's like any other addiction. You yeah, have to like retrain your brain to, yeah. Not want it anymore. But, you know, again, putting everything in its proper context, just puts it all in its proper context. It doesn't mitigate the fact that you still feel certain ways in terms of emotion. But right. you have to get mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, once you put it all in its proper context and put it where it's supposed to be in terms of these people defining things for you that they really weren't legitimately authorized to define. Uh-huh. So you take that back. 
So once you take that back, now you now you're you're standing from a from a position where you're operating from from a greater truth. But you know, again, you you mm-hmm. you process those emotions and you feel them for what they are. Even if you feel the anger and the anger comes back, look at it. Step back and look at it. Look at it. Get to the point where you can just laugh at the fact that you're angry. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you understand yeah. what that is. You know what I'm saying? You you can't own it to where it's like, this is a part of me and I can't get rid of it. No, that's not the truth. The truth is, is there's a chemical aspect to you that you're used to feeling and you don't you don't know how to discard it because you don't know what to put it in place. Yeah. You just hold on mm-hmm. to it. Wow. You know, but but the more you know better, the more you know better. <laughs> you know, and the, the the crazy thing about it, and I have to keep content. So I have to keep putting this. This is how it works for me. I got to keep looking at myself like, yo, do you really, are you really going to keep doing this now that you know better? You know what I'm saying? Are you really going to keep this alive now that you know better for what? And you know, then you begin to realize that you keep recreating the same conditions over and over again. Because you're too afraid to create anything else. So you become a prisoner, a prisoner to your own consciousness sometimes. You know, and it, it all goes hand in hand. When you allow yourself to be greater, you can think greater. You don't have to keep holding on to the small things that you once thought were the things that gave you sustenance and gave you life. But you have to give yourself permission to be bigger, to be greater than that. And as you grow, outgrow your circumstances, they're no longer applicable. The only way you can solve the problem is to outgrow. Mm-hmm. The only way. The mm-hmm. only way. And that's just as simple as saying, sometimes, sometimes it's not. I'm greater than this. I'm bigger than this. And accepting that, not convincing yourself that, because you are, you are that. You just have to accept it. And so many, then another thing, like, you get so many people that are so guilt-ridden <laughs> and they can't, they can't function outside of the paradigm of guilt that they, don't, they never get to the point where they feel like they deserve better. You know what I mean? It's like they, yeah. they, they, they sabotage themselves because they don't, feel, they don't feel that they deserve any better. You know, and, and, and that's something we're spending some time with, too. You know, a lot of times we think that we pushed all of that stuff away and we thought, we well, that doesn't apply anymore. But it's still some of that in there. If we're still functioning, if you're still functioning from the aspect that you are a human being completely and exclusively at any capacity, you're subject to thinking that you don't deserve X, Y, and Z. There's no way mm-hmm. in hell you can participate in society as often as you do, being it reading books, watching TV, or anything that you do in terms of interacting with your surroundings, and you can't somehow walk away with the idea that you don't deserve certain things. Because you always have to keep in mind that I'm here doing this to work through what I need to work through, but it's not a part of who I am. This is a process. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start making it personal, when you start agreeing to the idea that these things are a sum total and an amalgamation of who you are, then you're defeated. I wouldn't want to be a damn human. I wouldn't want to be a human and everything that it entails. Just in terms of being, I've agreed to this. I've agreed to limit myself down to this small, finite thing to understand aspects of myself. And that's it and that's all. It don't apply to me. 
that I can wear in terms of gaining definition as a coach, you know, to, 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 to validate what I am because I'm everything. And I know that. And the mm-hmm. things that I'm not, are only, I'm only not because I agree not to be. You know, and, and start functioning from that reality or from that premise. And a lot of those things will fall away like by themselves, man. You know? Mm-hmm. They'll fall away. They'll just drop off. You look up and you're like, hey, where the hell did that go? <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. It's, it no longer applies. Wow. Y'all can. Does that help? Aaron? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And. Yeah, I, I, I know what it is. I know what it is and I know uh I know what it's telling me and why it's telling me what it's telling me. You know, it's it's it, it's just it, it's it, it was allowing myself to 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 think that I was less than what I am. And uh and I'm more than that. So mm-hmm. I'll let go of it. Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> Yeah. And it is it's a matter of it's you you when you're pinpointing what, why am I devaluing myself and you link it directly to what someone told you said to you taught you and it brings up that anger it it for me the reason why it makes me angry is I'm looking at the if it wasn't for that I would have, I would be here, or I would do this, or I would have been able to do this, or maybe I would have made this choice instead of this choice. When that really is secondary, it's me looking for an excuse to think of myself as less than, or to devalue myself. Or I'm looking for an excuse, or I'm looking for, um, you know, in looking for a reason, if I look for, okay, this is why, I, it, it's instead of looking at it as I'm angry at this person for what they did or what they said, like Sean said, it's like talking to someone. You're not really talking to them. You're talking to their walls and their barriers. So I've once I say it or I voice it and I acknowledge this is what it is and this is what it's connected to, and I can see what effect it's having in my life or how it led to the decisions that I made. And I no longer feel like I need to use that to protect myself from letting it go and what that means by letting it go. But I do feel like it's important to acknowledge it it's an important to, and if you if you're able to talk to the person, it's basically for you. It's not for them because mm-hmm. they might be able to hear you, and they might not be able to hear you. Um, and once you've done that, and you realize what role it's playing uh, in your life, how it's guiding you, or protecting you, or covering you, and you're able and you're able to go to that and let see what it what responsibility you have in holding on to it and how however whatever the one um whatever the situation that you are holding the other person responsible for you holding on to it is now your responsibility so it's up to you to 
look at it, acknowledge it, heal it, see what it's done for you because for whatever it is, it was there to protect you. It did right. whatever job it could to protect you. And so acknowledging and being, you know, thank you for protecting me from this. Thank you for keeping me small or making me make this decision that it was the only way you knew how to protect me, the only way you thought that I was going to survive by making this decision, which turned out to be something that was not a preference in your life, I won't even say was wrong, but it wasn't a preference for you at that point, made you feel small or less than or devalued. I don't need it anymore. I don't need you to protect me anymore. Mm. And then letting it go. And if it's necessary at that point to change, I know for me it's it become once you make that realization, if you still have a relationship with those people or you don't have a, if you do, it's necessary to, because you're different, the relationship is going to change and to not allow them to approach you like that old person, the unhealed person, but now, if they're still in your life, teaching them to approach you as your healed person and not that wounded, not the wounded child, but the healed, the healed person that you are now. Yeah. And I think that's that's the biggest thing for me in getting over my anger is redirecting the relationship from them having that control over me to know this is, if we are to have a relationship, this is how it's going to be now. And unless you approach me in this way, then we don't have a relationship. Mm. And then it's their choice. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I've realized quite a few things, quite a few things as I was listening to both of you speak. And uh and it's really got me thinking. Uh yeah, anger anger is how power was expressed uh growing up. And mm-hmm. it, I have mm-hmm. to be using it to to feel some sort of power from a very disempowering situation, but it's not real power. It's like a, you know, it's a, a simple carb, whereas true power is something much more, like much, more <laughs> much stronger and much more, uh, uh-huh. gets you a lot more mileage. So, yeah, I, I, I'm getting it. I'm definitely understanding. Thank you, That's both of you. Cool. That's cool. That's cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. It's like that, you know that little lizard that's in the desert when it runs and it, it perks out like it, it has the big, it puffs out the big fins on the side of his head big so it fins, looks really big yeah. and it sticks out his arms yeah. and he's running and he looks really scary for about five minutes and then he goes back to his little small self again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what it's like. That's it. <laughs> That's kind of what it's like. like. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, you know yeah. what, though? It, 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 it's interesting to blame, when we blame our families, and and, and, mm-hmm. and, and this is something that um, 
I've, I've, I've processed a while ago, and it still comes back sometimes, though. It's a distraction. It's a convenient distraction. And as, like I was talking about earlier, Nikki, the more that I'm, the more, the, the, the broader I become in my awareness of myself and everything around me, the more I realize I'm afraid, and I'm, I've always been afraid of the same thing. I've been afraid of my ginormity. I've been afraid of um, being limitless. I've been afraid of those things, and I've placed things in my view to distract me, to keep me from having to deal with the idea that all of the boundaries that I put in place are boundaries that I put in place. Right. You know, everything that you've ever wanted to be, and then some, you could you could be that. You know, but I'll I'll, I'll allow my family dynamics to interplay. This is a distraction. <laughs> it's nothing more. I mean, mm-hmm. I know better, mm-hmm. but sometimes it, it serves as a distraction to get me away from the idea on purpose that I'm mm-hmm. bigger than I am or I can do whatever I need to do or all those grandiose ideas that you have in the back of your mind are ideas that are very attainable. But, you know, when you're afraid of your own success or when you're afraid of yourself, you'll place these things in your in your way to play with, like little blocks or something on the floor to keep you distracted from what you really need to do. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it serves as a level of distraction for me. You know, as I processed the whole family dynamic for what it was, I would still go back and play with it because it gave me a distraction from, you know, okay, mm-hmm. once you remove it. You, ever, you remember how back in the day, when when you see two people, how they you know were ready to fight, and the one person when you grab them and hold them, they're trying to get away from you to get at that other person. But the moment you let their hands go, <laughs> right? They stay right there. <laughs> they're not going nowhere. They ain't going nowhere. Right. <laughs> it's one of those type of things. You know what I mean? As long as you have something mm-hmm. to make you look like if this wasn't in my way, I'd make some progress. The moment you move that out mm-hmm. of your way and you realize there's nothing else impeding your motion, then you try to look for something else to grab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, somebody to hold me back, hold me back, you know, to keep from moving forward. So a lot of times, you know, that's, that's not saying that that's what you do, Aaron, but that's what I used to do. I would go back and I would throw these obstacles out there as if they were real and viable obstacles just to distract myself from getting getting on with the bigger picture. Mm. And I think we do that mm-hmm. on on lots of levels, you know, the conscious and the unconscious. Do that most of the time. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest pill, the hardest pill for me to swallow was the fact that everything that I've ever done, you know, negatively, anything that ever impacted me, impacted me negatively was something that I put there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's coming from somebody who always found um, comfort in playing the victim. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because I'm black or it's because of this or it's because of that or they don't like me or, you know, that was my song at one point. Mm-hmm. And I played it all the time. But when you get to the point where you realize you understand that everything that you've ever done that was considered a setback was something that you put there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, it's time for me to stop bullshitting with this and, 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 and get down with it. You know, it's 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 almost like once you 
graduate from a certain way of being, but that's the only way you've ever known to be. You don't know how to recreate anything else. So you just keep recreating that same thing. You know, just just for just for a marker or some sense of reference, because I you know mm-hmm. so I know where I am. And I've experienced that too. I've experienced moments where I was completely out out there, and it felt like I had nothing to grab onto, and I don't know where the hell I am, and it's totally unfamiliar, and it's very uncomfortable. You know, and we can't continue to keep talking about you know moving forward and being conscious and becoming more grand without talking about the need to validate ourselves and to to to, to um, have coronation for ourselves that will allow us to step into these greater things. Mm-hmm. You can't pour you can't keep pouring new wine in the old wine skin. You know, you can't bring none of that junky shit with you. We're just gonna create that junky shit on a higher level. Mhm. You know? And that's probably more tragic than that low-level junkie shit, <laughs> you know, if you want to talk about, you know, uh, uh, what's effective and what's ineffective. You don't want to keep recreating the same thing. But, if, you know, if you're getting something out of it, then cool. If you're gaining higher levels of awareness as a result of creating the same thing, which is possible, I guess, I don't know, then cool. But, you know, you, you have to divest yourself of all of that old thinking. And, and, and it's worth spending time mm-hmm. doing that. You know, there's no no need to gain new information if you can't put that new information in somewhere that's going to propel you forward. You know, this is giving you more permission to stay stagnant and to stay small and to find more obstacles to throw in front of you to deal with. You know, I'm like, man, right. hell with that. I'm not, I'm not dealing with that no more. I'm, I'm going to move on to something different. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I'm, I'm you know, press forward. Let's forward. So what if the, I'll ask you, since you, Sean, since you mentioned, you know, you ha, you can pinpoint parts of your life where you have been at the edge of exactly what you wanted and you sabotage it because you were afraid to make that leap. Oh, yeah. Um, what, what, is that, what, was the fe- what is the fear? What is the fear and how is that different now? The fear, the fear is the fear of the unknown, the fear of not knowing what to expect, knowing that there are going to be some, some fundamental changes and some drastic changes, but not knowing what that looks like. And, and, and on top of that, having more gravity piled on to what you're, you're at a greater position to fail. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you can stand on a balance beam if it's, three inches off the floor, but you take that balance beam and you put it three stories above the floor and it's a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You have a greater distance to fall, greater distance, to, you know, to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're down here with these low levels of, of, of manageable <coughs> um, um, shortcomings or, 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 or things that come and derail you, then you don't have far to fall anyway, so what the hell? You know, and the, the, the balance beam is three inches from the floor. I'll try to do handstands and, and moonwalk on the joint. But greater success means that balance beam is getting thrusted higher up in the air. And, you know, you don't know what to expect with that. So the moment you, you entertain, the moment you're, you're presented with the possibilities of becoming greater, 
um, again, all of those unknowns and all, all those unknown factors come into play. The difference now is, again, my perspective. I'm looking at things from a grander perspective. Everything that I've entertained in terms of my, my, my human awareness and things that I interact with on a human level, I observe them from the ultimate observer. I observe them from as far away from it as I possibly can, meaning I'm not completely attached to what this thing is outside of me gaining greater understanding of myself. You know what I'm saying? If I, to put it in practical terms, if I was to buy a $6 million house and lose it in two years, I wouldn't feel bad about losing my $6 million house versus, you know, somebody who loses that and has people to be worried about what people are going to think. I had this and I lost it and all of that kind of mm-hmm. shit. If I lose it, I was supposed to. And what I gained yeah. from me losing it in terms mm-hmm. of my awareness of myself is much more significant than what it looks like on the ground. You know what I mean? That's the difference in me now. I'm able to see my life interaction with everything around me and my circumstances as tools and learning apparatuses that will allow me to remove the greater aspects of my boundaries in a way that I can understand them and appreciate them. Because, again, outside of you entertaining a human body or the intera- interacting with matter, you're everything in all directions. So invariably, you're nothing. So when you go back and you can appreciate your everything because you know what it's like to experience the other side or the opposite, you have a better appreciation for, you know, what it is that you are. And, I've, and, and, and you know, again, I've, I've agreed to limit myself down to this small, minuscule understanding of me so I can grab some sense of attainment, attain some sense of what it is that I actually am. Mm-hmm. So my circumstances, my physiognomy, or any of none of that shit defines me and, and adds or takes away from the definition of who I am. So success to me is completely different than it once was. Anything that happens that I can gain more wherewithal of my presence and my future self, then that's a win. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm no longer, you know, afraid of succeeding or becoming grand because that's just me moving back to, it's called me moving closer back to my original state. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm uncomfortable being anything less than as much as I can mm-hmm. be. I'm trying to move back as close to my original state and still be aware of every, of myself at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Which basically, yeah, is um, for those, you know, for anyone who is listening or will be listening, um, which is basically the definition of the inner child. It is you in your original state Mm -hmm. beneath all of the layers of conditioning um, that life, family, circumstances has piled it's piled on you um, as you live. So it is, it's more of a, I would say this, this discussion is, you know, people want to use the term healing the inner child, but it's more of a liberating 
the inner child from under all of the conditioning and all of the layers that some are very apparent and some are not. And it's basically those ones that are not very apparent that uh, they require a little bit more paying attention to self and paying attention to where your decisions, thoughts, emotions are really stemming from in order to prevent that inner child from controlling your life. Because as long as that the inner child is in control of your life, that's what's driving the car, running the show. And it's almost it's almost as if we have to reparent or re raise ourselves or reparent ourselves in order to liberate yourself from the that conditioning. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not like you can remove it. You have to replace it. Kind of like when we talked about, we had a show a long time ago with Ragiva and NG, um, G.T. Walsh basically kind of said the same thing and we've, we've said the same thing on the show where you have these, these promises or these vows that you've made on a spiritual level to keep yourself contained and it's not just a matter of removing them and throwing them away. You have to reteach yourself or you have to make a new vow or a new rule in place of it. So instead of saying, I'm going to believe I'm I'm not whatever it is that you feel devalued about in your life, it's replacing it with your sense of value. So instead of I'm, I'm, you know, instead of having the vow, I'm going to be poor because poor people have more loyalty than rich people. You've made a vow to stay poor because you don't want to be disloyal, and you don't want to be the quote unquote bad guy to your tribe. So it's replacing that with the belief of it's good and it's safe and it actually benefits me more to live in excess abundance. Um, So that's part of the healing. That's part of the liberating from the layers of conditioning that are keeping you in those barriers and boundaries that that you've created to protect yourself but are no longer serving you. They serve you when you're seven years old. They don't serve you when you're 30s, 40s, 50s. So it's convincing you, it's, it's reestablishing a belief system to what works for what you want in your life now and to liberate yourself from those boundaries and restrictions that you've created that you may or may not be aware of. Um, so it's, it's, Again, when you when you are and it starts when you when you're born, people are automatically labeling you and putting you in a box. So, is it a boy or a girl? <laughs> Deciding what colors are going to be right for you. What is your name? Who do you look like? Um, how come she's not crawling yet? How come she's not walking? How can you know all the things that you're supposed to be? What? what you're supposed to look like, how you're supposed to act, all of that, whether you're you're good or bad, you do bad things, you're going to be labeled bad, you get punished for it, and all of those things are slowly covering up 
your original self and put more and more layers on. In order to get approval, I have to do this instead of this. In order to not be abandoned, I have to do this instead of this. So all of those things that are just natural and healthy for you as a child are you're told that it's not okay to be you. You need to be this person. So the more that happens throughout your life, you completely lose sense or lose sight of what is you and what other people have told you that is you based off of what they have been taught or believe or want to see you be because as a child you have to depend on these people in order for to survive. So you allow them to tell you who you are and what you're supposed to be. And in that, we don't even know who, we don't recognize ourselves, we don't know who we are, and we don't know we don't. You can't even see the walls. And when you're when you're buried under your walls and barriers, you don't know they're there because you're immersed in it. It's like asking a fish what water is. They don't know because they're. That's all they know. They're immersed in it. When you're so far buried under your walls and your barriers and your boundaries, and somebody says, "Why do you have this wall up?" You're gonna say, "What wall?" You can't see it. But every your whole world is being filtered through every wall, barrier, boundary of conditioning that you have, programming that you have. So there are a lot of things that you don't allow in. There's so much of the world that we don't see because there's so many filters that we don't allow ourselves to to see them because we're we don't allow probably 99% of the world to even, you know, penetrate those barriers and boundaries that we've we've created or that we continue to reinforce on a daily basis mm-hmm. because we're too afraid to let them go. So we're constantly we're holding on to them for dear life because we think our survival depends on these barriers and it's scary to let go of something, even if something doesn't feel good but it feels familiar, we'll hold on to it because the familiar still is more comfortable than the unfamiliar, although the familiar could be extremely painful and extremely unhealthy. It's less scary than the unknown, which I think is what you were getting at, Sean, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's less scary than the unknown. It, 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 you know what it is. You know, you you're already set up to deal with it emotionally because you know what it feels like. You know, there's nothing new that can come along and, and make you feel any worse. You know, even mm-hmm. if it's the most the worst feeling you could ever feel, you still depend on it to be just that, and you know what it is. So, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's when you think about it, though, it's such a it's such a defeating and small way of looking at anything. I don't want. I, I, I deal with this pain because I know what it feels like. It's like because there's mm-hmm. conceivably a greater pain out there that could make you feel worse than right. the pain right. that you're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's mm-hmm. crazy. It's crazy. It's, it really is. It really that. is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's about. It's, you it's look like, at it for what it is. It's like traveling. When it's like traveling somewhere. You're traveling short distance, long distance, or whatever. But you ever drive? You ever driven in the fog? 
where you can't see past the front of the car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know very I mean? scary. You know there's road out there, you know there's a whole lot of road out there, but your level of of of, of uh, um, access to that information is relegated to just three three inches to past the front of your car. So, you know, whatever within within that small confine of of, of observation, everything has to fit there mm-hmm. because if it if, it, if it's outside of there, it's too great for me to even fathom or deal with, which is not the truth because once you get out there, it looks like where you came from, but it's the same shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's a game that you play with yourself. It's a game. It's, it's all smoke and mirrors and bullshit. It's everything is smoke it really and mirrors is. and bullshit. When we were watching, as when we watched, uh, we pulled out what to beat yesterday and watched it just just to see where we line up with, how we line up with it now. And the most glaring thing that came to me was the was the reality that nothing is solid or nothing is real. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Even when you touch something, you're not touching it. You can't touch something. What you're feeling is just. Uh, 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 Nerves firing, telling you what something mm-hmm. feels like, but you're not really interacting with anything. Right, <laughs> you know nothing actually touches really? anything. Right, <laughs> right. right. So, you know when those when those electrons from the ball and those electrons in your finger, when they get close enough, they repel one another. They push away from one another, and you feel a sensation of making contact with something, but you never make contact with anything. There's nothing to make contact with. Right. You know what I'm saying? Most of mm-hmm. this is empty space. So when you hold that as your reality, you understand what that means. How can you make anything concrete to the point where it anchors you down to some solidified truth when there is none? When there is, the truth is mm-hmm. everything that you're doing, you're making it up on the fly. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're making it up. But when you hold that reality, you understand that you're making it up. Why not make up mm-hmm. some shit that's benefiting you? Or you're trusting <laughs> the process, right? But that and that again, that has to do with again that that creativity and if you the creativity of the inner child and if you are able to trust that part of yourself because of the conditioning. I mean, if you look at your life and you look at You know, how much of your life is a series of reactions based off of what you were given, what you inherited from um, your parents, your family, your environment, your, you know, we we basically are a, a conglomerate of habits and patterns and fears and other people's thoughts and other people's dreams and other people's hopes or discouragement or nightmares and we if we're not aware we live our whole life listening to other people's stuff as thinking that these thoughts came from ourselves so to express your inner child <laughs> You first, you have to have some awareness of where your concepts of ideas of what and who you are, where that comes from. 
you have to be aware that you are, when you react to something, why are you reacting to it? What's causing that reaction? When you're afraid of something, what's causing those fears? What's causing those hopes? Whose dreams are you actually living? Are they your dreams or are they somebody else's dreams that they told you that those are your dreams? Um, and when when you see that, without seeing that, it, the rest of it doesn't matter because you won't be able to see it or access it anyway. So it's, you know, when you do discover, and, and again, it's a matter of being able to take a good, deep, honest look at yourself and what's real and what's not real, what was given to you and what came from you. And a lot of people just can't see the difference. They don't know the difference. Um, but in order to get back to that, you have to be able, again, that's why it's important to to ask the big questions. Why am I doing this? Why am I getting why am I having an emotional reaction that I'm having and what am I reacting to? Because we automatically anytime we feel and I, and I this society, Western society, has not done anything to help everything is built on false emotions, masks, um, you know, half truths or or false truths, because we we as a society can't deal with confronting ourselves with the wrongs that we might have done or the pain that we might have inflicted. We sweep everything under the rug. That our whole history is based off of sweeping everything under the rug and acting like it didn't happen and not dealing with it. That's slavery and what happened when, the, you know, wiping out the Native Americans and everything. Everything we just sleep under the rug. And I think that's kind of what is happening right now is you're not, with all the technology and how fast technology and word spreads, they're not able to sweep stuff under the rug so easily. And so now that we're having to deal with raw emotions, people have no idea how to deal with that. So that is basically on a on a national scale. It's possible on a national scale because within families, it's the same way. Instead of dealing with it and confronting it, and let's expose our feelings and expose our vulnerabilities and exposing our fears, we hold them in, we sweep them under the rug, we turn the other way, we ignore the elephant in the room, and so. As individuals, we never learn how to deal with our emotions. We allow other people to tell us how we're supposed to feel. We allow other people to tell us how we define ourselves, who we are, what we like, what we dislike, what we accept, what we don't accept, that we never, ever take the time to get to know ourselves in order to know what that deep inner truth is for ourselves. And so, therefore, whenever we try to do that, it feels so foreign that it's scary and we protect ourselves from it and we shut down. And we never actually, and I think that's where a lot of the, when you are coming, when you are removing some of those layers, I think that's where the anger comes from because it's, 
you know, I, I trust that these people, they're, they're, these are the people who I love the most and they love me and look what they, they're, you know, you don't do these kind of things to people that you love. You know better. You know it caused you pain. So why would you pass that on to me? Right. Why would you do that to me? You're, you're the people who are supposed to be here to protect me. You're supposed to be here to love me more than anybody else. So if people who love me do this, then what are people, other people going to do? So I think that's, I think for me that's kind of where, I think that's where the anger comes from. It's, I trusted you. <laughs> you're supposed to know. You're supposed to, you're, you weren't supposed to do this to me because you know, you already knew. And it was easier for you to just continue and pass it on rather than to fix it within your, to heal yourself and so that you wouldn't pass it on to me. So um, it's, it's, you know, re, it's almost like it's a, it's a constant, it's again that constant rebirthing of stuff. Yeah. It's a constant rebirthing and forgiving. It's it's seeing where you are and knowing that you are this creative being that can has a and develop that deep understanding that Sean that you were referring to earlier as I know that I am capable of all of this stuff. So it's as you're taking off the layers and you become raw in your emotion and you become angry, it's I forgive my parents and my teachers and my friends and myself for all of the the this you know the disapproval because they're working within their filters for all of the dis- disapproval and the discouragement and and everything that 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 basically helped me or aided me in covering up and putting more conditioning and more conditioning now that it's off. This is who I am, and if you reject, if you decide to disapprove or reject that, then I am, you know, I'm so sorry for you. That's you, but this is who I am, and I have no other choice but to be exactly who I am and allow, allow myself to grow and mature as what, as the person I was and the person who I am now, and 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 just accept that this is where I am in my, in my perfection. And continue from there. Yeah. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be. There is no what if, if I would have known this or if I would have done this or how come they didn't support me in this or you shot this down or I could have done this. This is where I am. This is a new birth. This is where I'm birthing. I'm rebirthing myself from this point now. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. It's almost like being mad at your parents. Like if you were born, yep. you were born to parents who were, were, you know, they only made $20,000 a year instead of, you know, why didn't you make $200,000 a year so I could have started somewhere else? <laughs> How dare you only make $20,000 a year? You could have made $200,000 a year so that... I could have gone to this school and been born in this house and know what it's like to have a backyard with a swing set. And, you know, you didn't do that for me. 
kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's where they were. They worked with where what they had, where they were. Mm-hmm. And now that you have some some knowledge and some awareness, it's your job to rebirth yourself and parent yourself. Be the parents that they weren't. Yes. And define yourself as yourself. So I am redefining, rediscovering, redefining myself. I am whatever it is that I feel like. I am a creative being. I am an artist. I am, you know, I invite all of that creativity to present itself and expose itself and to fully be who I am because I no longer have those barriers to say that I'm not. And I can, you know, and then, and I've gone through and I went through and until very recently I've, I've said, you know, like, and, my, and there are people in my family who still will, you know, once you start getting to, will still try to knock you down into what they consider your place if you feel like you're headed somewhere that they don't feel comfortable with you had it. Like, you know, oh, that's, you know, like, you know, telling you that something that you think is great. Well, it's not that great. Or um, pointing out your flaws. Or, um, you know, telling you to do something that they've been laughing at for, you know, the half the half of your life that, you know, do that again so I can laugh at you again. You mm-hmm. know, all the things that knock you back to that, moment in your childhood that takes you right back to that wounded seven-year-old self, which you have to, again, work to uncover. But if you, that's not even me anymore, I don't even connect or relate to that anymore, there's no way you can pile that layer back on again because I'm not that person. You're talking to someone else. That's not me. Mm -hmm. That person doesn't exist anymore. So it's, you know, um, like, a, you know, a, a death to the ego, the part of yourself that helps that serve to protect you and then giving rebirth to your, your new found self and beginning your mind all over again. So it's, you know, being that you think of children as a, a sponge and they're absorbing all of the stuff. It's, it's being able to have access to it all over again and this time you get to have a nice clean open sponge and you can directly focus on what it is that you want to absorb and how you want to absorb it and even those things that are not necessarily going to be um, help propel you forward on that you can gain some understanding from oh this is what this is this is what I'm doing I'm, I can see how I'm standing in my own way or I can see how those words would have affected me a year ago. But right now, this is, I can see it for what it is. So it, let it dissipate in the sunshine, dry up and evaporate with, you know, in your light and you, you use it for what it is. 
Now you can see. Now you can see it for what it is. It looks completely different. It doesn't look like, you know, something mean and hateful and hurtful anymore. It's look at their pain. Look at that person, you know, acting off of their pain. It's almost like you feel sorry for them at that point. Look at their fears. Look at their fears. Look at their fear. Yeah. Their fear. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like you could pity them. You pity them at that point. Like it doesn't hurt you anymore because you understand it, and you look at it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look at that. Look at their fear. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea. You know how when you're little and you think that your parents are superheroes and then when you grow up and you yep. see them as human beings, you're like, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. My, you know, parents or family was so, they were so fearful. I thought they were just, you know, just flawless. Know, they know everything. But once you start to, once you become an adult, and you can see at that same level, you see it from there become very transparent. So you can see, see it for what it is. They become much That's more human. Cool. Yeah. Become much more human, much more, much more restricted, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You realize how restricting fear is and how small and minuscule it makes you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to. You have to put everything in these small little containers. And the containers are also small. So you have to beat it down to a level that you can place it into a container so you can feel good or safe about it. Yeah. You know? And that's pretty much what, 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 what we do and what our parents do continually until you do the work to remove yourself from that, that, that particular paradigm. That's what you do. You try to reduce things down to levels that you can wrap yourself around. And if your level is based in fear, then everything around you is subject to you beating it down to something that you can then deal with. Mm-hmm. That could be any relationship you win, and, and it doesn't, you know, exclude your kids. <laughs> it doesn't exclude your kids oh, yeah. when, when you're a parent or an adult. If you're operating from fear, you're trying to reduce everything down. Fear is such a small, slow, low vibration that you have to push it all the way down to put it into those boxes. You know? So you wind up treating your kids, and your kids wind up taking on the idea that I'm this small, minuscule, less than anything else, and how could I ever anticipate having your being greater than I currently am? Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things we agree to come back and deal with. We have to because it's part of the it's part of the situation. You know, but you have to. If you're an active participant in the problem, you have to be an active participant in the solution, which goes back again to what I talked about earlier in terms of you growing as as and and becoming fully awake or as awake as possible. So when you come back through these folks, you ain't still dealing with the same simple shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm not afraid. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, yeah, I'm still dealing with this. Yeah. You, know, you wanna you wanna remove those restrictions and removing those restrictions instead of getting angry at those restrictions, being active participant in solving those restrictions. And again, that's that's going back to you 
growing and becoming as broad and as vast as you possibly can because that gives everyone around you permission to do the same. And everyone around you is listening to you whether they agree to it or not. You know, because we're all connected. <laughs> you know, many times we have to say mm-hmm. that. You know, as you yeah. grow, you're growing, you're feeding those people that are connected to you, even though they're not even aware mm-hmm. of it. And they might be actually right. in right. resistance or, 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 or you know, mm-hmm. repelling it away from you, but that still doesn't mm-hmm. mitigate the fact that they're still ingesting it on some level, on, 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 on the soul or DNA level. Mm-hmm. So when they come back, right. you know, you're 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 fostering an environment that is conducive to growth. Period. So when whether it's you or the people that are around you coming back through this thing, they're coming back to something that they can now push or springboard off of and become broader and more vast. And as they yeah. come back again, it you know it just flowers and gets bigger. You know so. Whatever you have to do to get to the point where you can put your middle finger up at them folks and say, I'm doing me, <laughs> you know, I don't give a damn what you think. Then whatever process you need to incorporate to do that, man, it's well worth all of y'all's goddamn interest to do it. Yeah. 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 I'm a pioneer, man. I don't give a damn. I Call me the black dude. I am the pioneer. Call me whatever you want to call me. Without me, all y'all niggas. That's that's my reality. Without me, all y'all fuck. So call me what you want. I'll take that. Yeah. But if I wasn't doing the work, if I wasn't putting in the work, if I wasn't being the scientist that I am and pushing myself forward, we'd all be sitting there twiddling our thumbs. Might come back as a monkey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> might even be evolved. Might come back and get some flying or some shit. Yeah, man. Oh. Yeah. So, and and you know, hence the the saying is the best thing that you can do for the world instead of trying to go out and heal the world is heal yourself because yeah. vibrationally, when you are healed and you're able to be whole, it gives other people permission to do the same. And it heightens the vibration of everyone. So instead of going out to to save the world and thinking that, you know, going to protests and demonstrations or going to the inner city and going to go save the children by working in the inner city schools instead of the suburban schools or going to Africa and building a church or whatever it is you think that you're doing, it's your inner work that is going to make the most impact. Because yeah. if you haven't done your inner work, then all of those things that you're going outward to do are just a distraction from taking care of what you what what really needs your your attention, and that's yourself. Yeah. So, first and foremost, right. save yourself before you think that you right. are able to save anybody else. First of all, you're not able to save anybody else. And you're not any good to anyone um, unless you've done your own healing. Oh, very good, gentlemen. Ooh, this is heavy. Certainly making me think. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> Certainly making me think. Yeah. Um, so. I got a smile on my face. It's just ear to ear. I feel. I feel so good. I feel so good. Good. Just listening to this. Yeah. You know. This and, is good. I'm telling you. I say this all the time, but this is like the my favorite time of the. I look so forward to these discussions because I'm. I'm really just doing them, and, and I think it's probably for all of us. I'm just doing this for, this is my, part of my healing and part of reclaiming my wholeness is, is being able to have open discussions. And, and this really does, I think if, if we're ever going to talk about, you know, exactly what the inner child is, it's, you know, your inner child is able to come out in front of people who you're most comfortable with and who you feel most of a connection to. And that's what this show does. When, when the, we are able to have these discussions, I feel completely, I feel like I, I am amongst company that understand me, overstand me, understand me, and I feel very comfortable with being myself. And that is more for healing and accessing my inner child than anything else is to, to to be able to feel completely connected and not have to feel like I'm speaking on deaf ears or to someone who doesn't really get it. They're listening, but they don't get it. To be amongst company that gets it is the biggest thing that helps me towards my growth and my healing. So, thank you. Thank you both very, very much for for allowing me to to feel most comfortable with being who I am. That is certainly a, a gift, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, As am I, and thank you. And very saying. much allows me, and, and all of Everything that we, part of this and all of the, when we take part in tools and techniques and all of the kind of spiritual steps and things that we do are basically things that we do to give ourselves permission to be ourselves um, without apology, without question. Um, is, is what this show and what everything is about. It's just allowing you to see yourself so that you can give yourself permission to be everything that you are or to rediscover exactly what you are um, through and aside from all of your conditioning and programming. So... Um, are there things that you do, or there are techniques, and I'll ask you, Erin, are there things that you, what are the things that you do, because everybody's journey and everybody's walk has to be their own, and there are things that they do in order to feel connected or give yourself permission to embrace and access your inner child or your authentic self, your original self. Um, what, are, what are some things that you, how do you embrace or connect with that part of yourself? Oh, boy. I mean, I 
anytime you do things that you really love, that bring a true sense of enjoyment uh, and cause you to reach that place where time not only stands still but also moves extremely quickly at the same time is in the spectrum. Um, for me specifically, that is a, it's, it's listening to music, it's playing games, it's uh, playing with, with children when I can, it's uh, playing with bright, colorful things, doodling, you know, stuff that's just, that's just easy. And, and not easy in the sense that it's not difficult, but it's, it's just like breathing. The enjoyment is so such a part of it that you almost feel like you're one with it. You're one with whatever's going on. And uh, I think that's why people like amusement parks so much is because mm-hmm. you get to go to that place where it's just it's, you're, you're free and you're outside of time and you're just in complete enjoyment of what's going on. Other things that I do, too, is I, I do things that have continually brought me joy since I was literally a child. Uh, whether that's that's movies that I loved as a child, forms of entertainment, all of those things, things that just keep me connected with that that pure part of me, and that just that just are fun. It's, it's fun and joyful. Mm-hmm. Yes, very good. Mm-hmm. Sean, what about you? What was the question? <laughs> what do you do? Um, what techniques or what do you do to? embrace your inner child or to access or connect with your oh. inner child? Oh, that's easy. My inner child ain't never went nowhere. <laughs> my, my inner child ain't never went nowhere. I've, I've been connected to that component since I can remember. And I've always, you know, people always say, <laughs> you know, it's hang on to your youth. You have to do things to bring out. I'm, I'm a perpetual child. Mm-hmm. I really am. Always have been. I am a perpetual child. I've always been, and, and, and I can remember when I was younger, um, that that dynamic being something that was somewhat ridiculed. That's mm-hmm. what school said. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always the mm-hmm. clown. I was yeah. always the one, you know, being disruptive. I was always the one daydreaming or not participating in something that looked like something that was structured and, and, and something we needed to do, I was always kicking and screaming against that. Anything that, that you would present to me that that, that um, depicted some sense of structure or responsibility or, you know, something that had a lot of gravity or weight to it, my immediate reaction to that was to balance it out by throwing some levity into the mm-hmm. situation. You know, and I've always been connected to that lighter aspect who I am, that innocent aspect of who I am. In spite of everything that I've witnessed as an adult, I still hold place in my heart for impossible to happen. I believe in miracles. Mm-hmm. I believe in, you know, I believe in the impossible. Mm. I'm, I'm just, that's just a huge part of who I am. You know, I've never had that mm-hmm. beat out of me. You know, and, and, and I've, I've probably been actively defiant against anything that would consider the possibility of beating that out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I embrace it. That's what, what, without that, I don't know what I would, who I would be without that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. being closely connected or tied to that component of myself. That's always who I've been, and I've remained that type of person. 
anybody that's known me from the time that I was able to start interacting with other people to now can probably tell you that that's one thing that's remained consistent with me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> look, maturity is not my strong <laughs> A big goofball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A big goofball yeah. all the time. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's always been me. You know, and, and, and again, I've 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 I'm reveling it now because for so much of my life it's always something that was considered, you know, um irresponsible or um <clears throat> something that I shouldn't I, I should I should think about giving up or walking away from. You know, and now that I've found a place for it and I realize it's relevant, I, I'm 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 proud of the fact, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. that I've a, I've been able to maintain that aspect of who I am. It's a large part of who I am. And you know, that's cool. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'll say for me, I, I play a lot. Um, it helps to have young kids so you can I mean, I'm always looking for, in, in fact, they just basically think I'm a big toy, which I need to put some balance on. Because <laughs> I am, yeah, I'm the jungle gym and the the entertainer constantly. I, I play a lot. And there was a time where I thought that I need to try to be more serious for people to take me seriously. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I didn't give myself permission to necessarily show that self or it was very confined to just a few people because I spent, I would like to say probably, the, you know, going from into a professional, um, my professional life as I'm trying to come into adulthood and, you know, get a quote-unquote real job, I felt I've got this little high voice and I'm soft-spoken and, you know, people didn't necessarily, I felt like I wasn't being taken seriously as a an adult. So a lot of me being a mature adult was basically kind of putting a lid or putting um, the brakes on what would be considered childhood stuff or childish, childish um, so I recently I've had to kind of bring that out and give myself permission and say it's okay. And a lot of that is playing. Um, you know, if I want to sit and play with toys or color or sit in the sand or go down the slide to the playground or, you know, I, I don't define anything as that's what kids do and that's what adults do. If I feel like doing yes. it, I do it. I like to sing a lot. I don't care. If, you know, I don't have a what would be considered a great singing voice. I'm going to sing because I want to sing because it makes me feel good. Um, dancing out in public, I love, if I feel the need to dance, I'm going to dance, which was something in me that was squashed for a long time because being... Having parents born black, don't dance in front of white folks. Right. <laughs> any time my mother saw some little black kids standing outside dancing, it's don't dance in where white people could possibly see you because that's all they think we can do anyway is entertain. 
Mm-hmm. So for a long time, I would not give myself permission to just dance just because it, it, it felt good or it hit me or I heard a song in a car or in my head or in the store. Don't dance in front of white because white people will not take you seriously. And again, that was my attempt to be taken seriously and to be valued as a relevant adult is you have to keep yourself composed and worry of, and, and really pay attention to how other people see you. So you dress a certain way, um, you speak a certain way, you expose yourself to certain people, you should be seen with certain people, um, and you don't act like a clown or a trained monkey <laughs> in public. Um, and so I, I had to, there's a lot of, <laughs> I have to give myself permission to be who I am and not think about that inner voice that is saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, which is basically my mother's voice. Is, is my inner voice was, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to let that go. So now I just, if I feel like doing something, I do it. You're the same monkey. However you see it, that's how you see it. <laughs> that's it. You're the train monkey. A train monkey. Yeah. 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 My, my whole thing is, is, is just understanding that you can't be responsible for the way anybody else is you. You can't. Anyway. You know, However anybody perceives you is based on their own boundaries and limitations, mm-hmm. their own self-perception, right. which is usually skewed and fucked up anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I can do all that stuff and still look like a trade monkey, so. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can't be responsible for that. You damn sure can't be responsible for that. Listen, you mean, as, yep. as, as as it relates to black folk, worrying about what white folks think, man, that's crazy. Mm, I know, yeah, that was one of the lessons that's more crazy now than it's ever ever been Mm -hmm. to me. That's like, you know, people getting up in arms because some white person said nigga. So what? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) How in the hell? Uh Why would you, why get upset about what somebody else says or thinks unless you validate or you validate what that person's Mm -hmm. opinion is? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or unless you agree. Yeah. You would agree. Yeah. You agree. Yeah. Because yeah. we're still, um, many of us are still invested in that old paradigm because it's it's, it's known. It's uh, it's familiar. And because it's familiar, it's safe. Even if it's yep. mm-hmm. Even Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hello? Are we still on? I'm still here. Can you hear me? I can okay. hear you. Can you I don't know my you headphones mean. are. Yeah. Okay. Oh. My headphones oh. are pulling bananas over here for some reason. Um, I'm still here. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Can you hear you? Yeah. Can you hear you, Teddy Bear? Teddy Bear. <laughs> okay. I um, you know, and and this I put a quote up in on uh, the Blue Click page on Facebook. Um, anybody listening who wants to have any enlightening discussions like we have on the show, we also have a Facebook page called the Blue Click. 
let me just look this up. Put the blue click expression of spirit in the search box and you can find this. But um, the quote um, is basically about the inner child. I wanted to read it quickly. Sean, I don't, you didn't comment. I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, but it goes along with you just said you believe in it. It said, well, here's the quote. It says, you know, I do believe in magic. I was born and raised in a magic time in a magic town among magicians. Almost everybody else didn't realize we lived in a web of magic connected by silver filaments of chance and circumstances. But I knew it all along. When I was 12 years old, the world was my magic lantern, and by its green spirit glow, I saw the past, the present, and into the future. You probably did too. You just don't recall it. See, this is my opinion. We all start out knowing magic. We are all born with whirlwinds, fire, fire, forest fires, and comets inside of us. We are born able to sing to birds and read the clouds and see our destiny in grains of sand. But then we get the magic educated right out of our souls. We get churched out, spanked out, washed out, and combed out. We get put on the straight and narrow and told to be responsible, told to act our age, told to grow up, for God's sake. And you know why we're told that? Because the people doing the telling were afraid of our wildness and youth. And because the magic we know made them ashamed and sad of what they'd allowed to wither in themselves. And so that kind of goes along with everything that we've talked about. Um, that we are very much only see what we allow ourselves to see, which is very little compared to what we are. And if you believe you live in a magical world, you live in a magical world. If you believe you live where everything's a miracle, then everything's a miracle. It's all about your perception. It's all about what you choose to not filter through walls and barriers and give yourself permission to go back to if you're not if you don't feel like you're living in this magical world, giving yourself permission to go back and do that. To be who you are. That's where you started from. Before everybody else told you what you are and what you believe. Um any thoughts about that? Sean, did you see that? I don't even know if you saw I that. I saw it. You know what? That's when my, you know, my phone been acting crazy the last couple of days. Uh-huh. And I haven't, it's been taking like five minutes to load up Facebook. I only, I only access Facebook with my phone. I ain't going to no computer. But I'll go check it out. That's cool. Yeah. yeah There's actually good. a little bit more to it. I didn't even read the whole thing, but I love that. Because it basically it sums up very well exactly what we all go through. Oh yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. And, and, and mm-hmm. You're right. It is it's kicked right out of you. That's what school is. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what school that's is. That's what school is. That's what church is. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. I, yeah. That's what it all is. Yeah. That's yeah. what your training is. You get trained right out of. Yes. Yeah. That's the exorcism. Yeah. Yep. The exorcism. You go get exercise. Get all that taken right something right out of you. Yes. Yeah. 
I was just thinking, it's, it's so funny. I remember when I was a kid and I'd go to the hospital or to the doctor's office to get checked up, I'd sit in the kids' waiting room. And in the kids' waiting room, it was a green carpet. The wall was painted like a sky. There was a giant rainbow, a sun there, toys everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then I remember when I left the pediatrician and had to go to the adult's waiting room. And it's stark white. You know, there's nothing really there. It's yeah. cold. It's and it just it's, yep. it's, it's very much representative of how we have all of the color and the joy and the lightness of heart basically beaten out of us or we're mm-hmm. encouraged to distance ourselves from it. And really, once you get back in touch with your inner child, you realize, oh, wait, the color doesn't have to go. I can go get that, you know, Power Rangers mug if I want to and be 57 mm-hmm. years old because that's what brings mm-hmm. me joy. That's what I like. And it would be nice to see exactly. our culture begin to turn towards celebrating that which brings you joy, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Right. And not be afraid to. I don't want people to think I look. That's for children. I can't have right. that. I can't have the, you know, the purple, sparkly, you know, whatever, because that's for children. Yeah. I'm not going to be taken seriously. Yeah. I yeah. was fortunate I in that sense because I grew up... Hmm? Oh, and then I can definitely pinpoint parts of my life where I've rejected parts of of myself or something that I wanted and chose something that I thought was quote-unquote appropriate rather than what I wanted based off of that's not for me, that's for children. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say, Aaron? I was going to say, and I have to say that I am fortunate in that sense because I, I grew up in a very weird place. So for whatever school sometimes try to encourage or uh, different people, there were always people around who were still very much connected to that. I think in particular a woman named uh, Dee Dee Rainbow, who was known as the Rainbow Lady in Seattle, and she basically dressed like a rainbow (laughs) for every day, every day out of the year, colors. And, uh, yeah, so I I had people like that to to look to. And she passed away not long ago, so she, she came to my mind. Wow, I love that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's who, basically, Sean, what you were speaking to before, is by each one of us embracing that, we give other people permission, just like the rainbow lady gave you permission yeah. to be yourself. Look how many people she's given permission to be themselves just by her being herself. She didn't have to say a word. All you had to do is still her energy and see that she was doing it, and, and the energy of her her joy in doing that allowed other people to give themselves permission to do the same. Yes. Another thing that helps you put things in perspective and give yourself permission is to not be dismayed or be disillusioned as to why people say what they say or why society is set up the way it's set up. It's set right. up exclusively... Mm-hmm. To gauge whether or not how effective or ineffective you are to participate in commerce. Period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. of the right and wrong, you know, mm-hmm. whether or not you want to be a child or an adult, all of that stuff is all hinged and predicated on your ability to participate in commerce. That's it. It don't go beyond mm-hmm. it. it does not go beyond. <laughs> it don't go beyond fitting into the models of society so they can function properly 
It's whether or not or how effective or not you are in your ability to participate in commerce. And that's mm-hmm. it. You know, so when you put it in that context and you look at it, it's not about being right or wrong or what will people think and all of these things that we kind of keep ourselves self-policed and, and, and put up these parameters. These parameters aren't given to us by some uh, lofty uh, theologic, theological mm-hmm. type of uh, observation. It's whether or not you can participate <laughs> in, the, in, in commerce. Mm. You know, so if you yeah. want to keep playing that game and you want to keep minimizing yourself because somebody said, I look dumb and I should act like an adult now that I'm an adult because kids can't get jobs and you can't hold down a job if you act like a kid. You have to be, you know, it's all about how effective you are in commerce. And I'm I'm not going to mitigate, I can't mitigate myself to such a small observation that I'm going to reduce myself down to the standard so I can get a dollar. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, mm-hmm. that's basically, that's cosmic prostitution. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's cosmic prostitution. Mm-hmm. I'm going to dress this way. I'm going to not say this. I'm going to think like this. I'm going to think like mm-hmm. that because that's what successful people do. And success is basically hinged on how much money I make or how much money I can generate for someone else. Not even for mm-hmm. myself. How much money I can right. get away from somebody else. Right. You know, so for those people that are right. looking for looking for reasons to step outside and be yourself, you know, you gotta ask yourself, what am I here for? Am I here for the menial observation of of participating in commerce or am I here to expand and grow? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, am I gonna sit here am I gonna be a, a whore for somebody else? Right. <laughs> Or am I gonna get on with my business? Yep. Right. Yep. You know? That's what it that's what it that's what it boils down to. Because all of the stuff that we learn of right and wrong and good and bad and, and etiquette and all of that, it all comes down at the bottom the very bottom line is how viable are you in terms of turning a buck. Mm. You know, if you act weird, if you dress weird, if you stink, ain't nobody gonna mess with you. <laughs> if anybody oh, yeah. don't mess with you, <laughs> you ain't gonna make no money. Yeah, that's what it all comes mm-hmm. down to. Mm-hmm. That's what it all comes down to. It has nothing to do with anything else, you know, about whether or not you're this morally good person or this morally right person or this just person. It has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. It has to do with your effective or ineffectiveness to turn a buck. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. That's right. <coughs> there you go. Yep. Right, that's, that's what y'all were saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got about eight minutes left. So, um, um, last thoughts. Um, Aaron, last thoughts. Anything you want to? Kind of leave people with, or what you know, you either you want to tell people, or maybe the impression that this, this discussion has had on you, or what you what you're leaving with today. You bet. Yeah, as as I'm moving forward, once this broadcast comes to an end, I I have a, a phrase that is 
in me right now. And that phrase is that you, you just don't have to anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to be that anymore. And it might even be something that if the opportunity presented itself, I could say to my family members who are caught in the same cycle. And whether or not they take that, that's up to them. But just to know that none of us have to do that anymore is just a wonderful feeling, and there's no space for anger inside of that. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's, can I dovetail? Can I dovetail off of Aaron? Mm-hmm. Aaron always has the best final thoughts, y'all. <laughs> 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 he does. He always has the best final thoughts. So from now on, my final thought is what you said. <laughs> Whatever Aaron said. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you first. I'm gonna have to ask you before yeah. I ask Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but yeah, man, let me echo that. That's that's exactly it, man. That's that's my final thought. Not not being defeated. That is my final thought. Yeah, and I think just to add to that is just is basically what we've been talking about is whatever it is that you have to do to give yourself permission to be yourself, do Mm -hmm. it. Be it. Mm-hmm. Without apologies, don't tell anybody else, don't report to anybody else, don't give anybody a chance to place their to to give you a chance to um, you know abandon that idea anymore. Just do make it up for yourself because you can't follow anybody else's rules, advice, techniques. You have to discover that for yourself. Do what you have to do to discover it and do what you need to do to give yourself permission. Whatever it looks like, I don't care if it's you got to wake up and blast Whitney Houston at the top, you know, and, you know, it's on full volume and sing in the shower. If that's going to give you permission to be who you are that day, then do it. It could change from day to day. You don't have to be who you are. And you don't. You are under no obligation to be who you were five minutes ago, which is one of the, another quote that I've seen recently that I love. You have no obligation to be who everybody thinks that you were and you have been. Because one of the things that you do encounter is people saying you've changed or you're different, and you're just being more of yourself. To give yourself permission to be who you are. That's all any of the techniques are with reading books and meditating and lighting candles and, you know, looking in the mirror and saying I love you or whatever whatever it is, all those are just tools to give yourself permission to be who you really yeah. are. Yeah. 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 And you're all working. Absolutely. Everybody's working towards not having to rely on tools but just doing it. And you can't do it. There is no doing it wrong. If you are being more of yourself, degree, you don't have to sit. They're like placebos. Yeah. They're like placebos. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's a sugar pill. <laughs> it would have pretty much reduced it yep. down to the sugar pill. They don't really... Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't... It's the, just the whatever you're convinced... Yeah, whatever you're convinced works. It works. Because you're yeah. convinced that it works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like so if, I hear people still
to this day, they'll say, man, that's not true. That's in your mind. That's all in your head. Like, it's all in your head. <laughs> uh, duh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's <laughs> in your mind. That's your mind exactly. telling you that. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Exactly. All the time that no one path is the same. No, it can't be. You know, there's we don't live the exact same lives and the exact same experience, experiences and gain the exact same interpretation for it to be a set path that you can take to get to where it is that you're trying to go. It's very relative to what and who you are and how you interpret things. Period. So mm-hmm. whatever you whatever it takes for you to get to the point where you can remove those boundaries and those blockages, those self-imposed boundaries and blockages, that's your spiritual science, and that's exclusive mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. I can sit down yep. and I can show you how it is that, that, that I think or what my past is, but it makes no sense to you because you don't have the same mm-hmm. reference. You know? Yep. That's why people sitting up in mosques and churches and all of that shit is raising their damn time. That way too many times Everybody's taking a bump You think you're going to take a bump to heaven (laughs) We all going to get on this bump And we all going to ride down We're going to take mad transit (laughs) To enlightenment Mm -hmm. Come on man Don't go to your store The bump stop might be 12 blocks down from enlightenment You might have to get on that bump and walk the rest of the way Because it ain't taking you to the door (laughs) You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. This has been amazing. Mm-hmm. I know. I've done. I've gotten, you know, I've gotten a lot of, <laughs> I feel like I'm a different person than I was at the beginning of the show. So I want to say thank you again. Um, and, you know, as always, I'm, I'm, you know, thank you guys for being open and honest and authentic. And um, anybody listening to the show who you have a question, comment, anything, again, you can email us at blueclick at gmail.com. Look us up on Facebook. You can join the discussion there. Um, um, you can leave a comment on Blog Talk, on our Blog Talk comment board. We're on iTunes. All of the archives are on iTunes, and you can rate us or leave a comment there too. So, thank you for joining us. And until next time, next week. Can I say shout out to Amy from uh, Salt Lake City who's been listening to the show? And she said that her boss is doing urine therapy, and (laughs) and it works. Cool. Oh. Miss mm-hmm. <laughs> My skin looks Listen. really remarkable too, just by the way. My skin after a month, my skin head. looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> um Hi Amy. Thanks for listening. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Tell your boss that we said we said hi and it works. <laughs> um yeah, thanks Amy. Um, send us a comment if you want. 
Um, okay, well, thank you, everybody else who's listening, and we will see you next time. Much easier, yeah. Yeah. yeah.